0: good morning again good three people set it back that's good to everyone else I guess I'd say passable morning maybe uh, so I don't know if you heard the NFL news from the week out of Baltimore it was kind of covered up with the uh, college games and the playoffs and everything but it came out that the Ravens at their home stadium have to resaw it after every Resod the grass after every single game because even the grass in their home stadium doesn't want to root for them. Good. Oh, groans, good. It is always the sign of a good joke if people groan. And so that's what I judge things by. Um, we are starting a new series today called Firm Foundations. And in this series, We're talking about the foundations of our faith, the foundations of who we are, of who we are in Christ. And there are so many things that go into our faith, that go into our hope, that go into our lives as Christians. And so as I prayed about this series, as I prayed about this message, I was drawn to Romans chapter 8, which you heard from Amy just a moment ago, and I'll read again here in a second. Because to me, The alpha and the omega of our foundation is the love of God. But because without that love, there's no creation. Without that love, there's no us. Without that love, there's nothing. And so I want you to think about that as I read this scripture. Uh, This is Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. As I said, there are many important parts to our foundation, to to what makes our faith. But it's that love of God, that overwhelming, unconditional, complete love of God. Now, in our lives, because we have to live in the world, it often feels like everyone's against us, like everything goes against us, and we walk out there, and it feels sometimes like we're alone, like maybe we're the only ones living it, like like maybe we're the only ones in the right lane on one twenty nine, and sometimes we are but we go out feeling that that, that disappointment sometimes in others, in the world, and the things that happen, and that can have an effect on us, and it can affect our human hearts. And sometimes it can lead us to the extremes because of that feeling of loneliness, that feeling of everyone against us. The extreme of legalism on one side where it's just the law, and anybody who goes under that, anybody who goes under what you think, you don't care about them. Or, or the other extreme where it's like, I don't care about anything, I'm not going to try. And then sometimes we find ourselves square in the middle of looking for that line, the least amount we have to do, the least we have to love somebody, the least we have to live for him. Uh, last week in the, the contemporary, I spoke about Cain and Abel. And I'm sure everybody here knows the story. But if you picture their sacrifices and you look at what they showed the world. Abel's sacrifice was a bunch of bloody meat. Now, I'm not talking like Outback Steakhouse steaks. I'm talking like gross bloody meat. So you see that, and it's like, ah, eh, I don't want to see that. But Cain's sacrifice, it was grain and flowers, and it probably smelled nice and looked nice. But the heart of each was different. And when we get stuck in that surface level, it affects the heart. And sometimes it's out of fear. Sometimes it's out of confusion. Sometimes it's out of pain or hurt. Sometimes it's even out of anger. And we get so stuck in that mindset. We get so stuck in that everybody is against me, so I'm against everybody. But as Paul said, if God is for us, nothing, nobody can be against us. Absolutely nothing can stand in the way of God's love. Absolutely no one can stand in the path of that. And he says if for an important reason. Because Paul knew for a fact from his life before his conversion that there are always going to be people that claim God is for them to do unspeakable things. Paul himself murdered people who who loved Jesus, murdered people who were Christians, claiming That it was God on his side. But here's the thing too. We can be sure if we accept his love, we accept his forgiveness, we accept following him and and giving our hearts to him, giving our loves to him, giving everything we are to him. And even when we mess up, even when we do the wrong thing, even people like Paul before the conversion, none of that detracts from his love. That's how great his love, how, how powerful his love, how safe and, and confident inspiring his love is. It is complete and it is beyond our understanding. In fact, we talk about agape love an unconditional love. That's what that means. And we talk about just what God's love means and how he loves us. And we talk about it and we kind of understand it. But it's also still so hard to grasp. Because there are so few examples of it in the world. Parental love can kind of come close, but I'm sure we can all think of news stories or examples where a parent has cut their kid off or vice versa and it just kind of falls short. But I have a quote from Augustine which describes his love in a wonderful way to me. I think it's on the screen. It's hard to tell. Jason could just be putting a picture of me embarrassingly or something, but I trust him. Uh, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. Now let me reread that. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. That's his love. That's what it means to be loved by God. That's what it means to have that that all-encompassing love. So imagine for a second that it's just you in the world. When you're driving, it's just you, so nobody's cutting you off, nobody's getting your way. There'd still be construction on 75, so it'd be slow somehow, but still, it's just you. And everything is tailored for you. Everything is about you. When you go to Walmart or if you like to spend more money, Target. There's no lines. There's no problems. It's just about you. Everything is to help you. Everything is for you. That's how God sees all of us. That is so astounding. Think about that. That is how much God loves each of us. He loves you so much that it's all about you. He loves you so much that it's all about you. He loves you so much that it's all about you. I'm not going to go person to person because then we'd be here forever and then you wouldn't love me. But he loves each of us so much amazingly, so astoundingly, so beyond anything we understand, and yet he loves everyone that way, and that is so powerful, that is so foundational, and back for a second to how it feels sometimes like everyone is against us, we're so used to that, and politics uses it, the news uses it, it's us against them, if you don't agree with me, then you're on the wrong side, and if you do, then we're friends, even though I may not like you either. And we feel like it's us against them, it's them against us, it's one-on-one, all that stuff. Here's the thing. So, Robin Lopez, I promise this makes sense. Robin Lopez, who is a center for the Cleveland Cavaliers, I know everybody knew that already, uh, and he's been in the league about 75 years, I believe. Well, the other day, uh, Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points in a game, which is... A big deal, even though there's no defense in the NBA. It's still a big deal. And Robin Lopez had this quote afterwards that I really loved. He said, tonight, me and Donovan made history. We combined for 72 points in an NBA game. You see, that's how it is with God. Because nothing can stand against God. God on his own is complete. God on his own is perfect, and impossible to stand against and so we get to stand with him and that's infinite that's an unbreakable majority that's an all-encompassing victory it is so powerful when you really think about it that way it doesn't mean that there's not hurt it doesn't mean that that we're not going to feel like people are against us but it means that it's impossible for us to lose if we stand with God because he is everything he is all powerful he is all knowing he is all present he is all loving and he is always there that is the greatest assurance I can give us and that is such an important part of our faith I want to continue to the next verse this is verse 35 can anything ever separate us from Christ's love Not in the understanding or the believing in God's love, because I do believe that Christ loves me no matter what. And I do believe that that he died for me, and I do believe that, that his love is everything. But it's that worthiness of being loved that I struggle with. Because our life, our world, is very much, what have you done for me lately? And so for myself, I'm very much, what have you done lately? And if you know me, if you've talked to me, you know that I'm, my biggest critic, and I'm harder on me than anybody else could be on anything. And sometimes we get stuck in that too. Because sometimes we focus so much on the negative, so much on where we failed, so much on on why we shouldn't be loved. And things can be hard. Facing persecution, losing friends, losing family, losing people, either because we won't turn from the faith or because they have. Facing temptation, dealing with pain, dealing with disappointment, dealing with discouragement. All of those things can go into this feeling of of why? Why, God? Why is this happening? Why do I have to face this? What is going to go on? And we know that we can be, that once we ask, we are forgiven. But sometimes I think, at least for me, we can start to think, well, why though? What have I done? What do I do? How Can I live up to this? And we know God's love will never leave us. We believe that. It's foundational. But how? How can that be true? Think about the fact that he loves the worst person in the history of the world as much as he loves the best. How can that be true? And sometimes all of those thoughts, all of those worries, all of those issues can lead to a checklist faith in One of my first positions as youth, not here, the pastor had a checklist for what each person on staff should accomplish every week. And so he would call us one by one into his office on the Monday and go over that checklist. And he'd go over everything that you did wrong. Now in his mind, he thought he was helping because that's how he learned, that's how it helped him. For me, it wasn't great. And so you start to learn to live by that checklist. It's like, well, I've got to do this so I don't get called out. I've got to do this so I don't get called out. I've got to do this so I look good enough. The problem is, when you're living by a checklist, your heart's not in it. And sometimes we do that same thing with our faith. We have a checklist of of what we should look like, what we should do, how we should live. And instead of going from the heart, instead of allowing him to to fill us with his love, we go by the checklist. And we think, if I'm just good enough, if I do just enough, if I look the part, then I'll earn his love. Then I'll earn salvation. And sometimes that's what we're taught by the treatment of others, to us, by us. I have another quote from an old school chum of mine that I've used before, C.S. Lewis. The Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. You see, the unimpeachable truth of our faith, of our foundation, is that Jesus died for everyone before they chose him. Jesus died for everyone knowing that we'd mess up. Knowing that people would turn against him. Knowing that people would reject him. In fact, while he was dying, literally while he was dying on the cross, his followers were running away and some of them were lying, saying they didn't know him. One of them had betrayed him. And a lot of people were there just making fun of him and mocking him and throwing things at him while he's dying for them. So he knew that we'd never earn that love. We'd never earn that grace. That we'd never be good enough. And yet, he did it anyway. He died for us anyway. He he loves us anyway. He hopes for us anyway. And on our own, we can never be good. We can never be good enough. But with him, With his love, it's overwhelming victory. Without him, we're basically TCU. With him, we're Georgia, without the SEC part of it. Overwhelming victory. If you don't believe me, I challenge you this week to read through the entire Bible. And then look, especially at Revelation, and write a little paper about the fact that we won. It's over. We just have to live through the life. But God's already won. God's already victorious. God is already above everything. And his hope is that we can bring more and more into that victory. It's the assurance of his love, of his help, of his peace That's what brings us this life. That's what brings us victory. That's what brings us our faith. Paul uses the phrase that we are uncondemnable, although he uses it smoother than that. That we are uncondemnable. That's not because we deserve to be, because we do not. But it's because he's the highest court. Beyond the Supreme Court, beyond anything you can imagine, he's the highest court. And so once he's forgiven us, Nobody can stand up to that. Boom. That's it. That's what it is. Now, we have to continue to choose him, live for him, but once he's forgiven us, that victory is ours. Now, that does not mean there are no consequences, and it does not mean that we shouldn't try. In fact, I believe it means the opposite. I believe that once we've accepted that forgiveness, once we've accepted that love, once we realize that no one else can condemn us, it's that much more important to live for him, to try harder, to to be like him, because the consequences go beyond that condemnation. The consequences can go to what our witness means, how we treat other people, how other people see Christ. One of the things I've said frequently is you may be the only example of Jesus somebody sees in a week, in a day, in a lifetime. And so there are consequences, even though we can't be condemned. We're in this to show others what that means, what that life means, what that assurance means. Going to the next part of the scripture here. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us. No one can separate us. Nothing can take that love away. Only by our own choices can we turn away from it. But even then, his love is there, waiting for us. Uh, When Amy did the Old Testament reading, she, she read from Psalm 51, which is David's psalm pleading for forgiveness after he had committed adultery and murder and lied. This is a man after God's own heart who had gone as far away from that as he could because he started to believe his own hype. He started to live for himself. And there were consequences to his actions. And yet, God's love never left him. And when he asked out, called out for forgiveness, he was given it. And he went back to God, and he started living for him again, and he realized, and so nothing can separate us from Christ's love. You talk about foundational, that is foundational. Nothing can separate us from Christ's love. So it's so important that we show others what it means to live in that It's so important that we show others what it means, because here's the thing. This is what they call the hook. It's not just about us. It's not just about the people in this room, in this church. It's not just about the people that have chosen him. This assurance of his love, this importance of his guidance, this grace that he gives us goes to to every single person. Let's pretend we didn't see that. Sometimes it's hard to stand still. It goes to every single person, which means we have to show that to every single person. That's our calling. That's what we do with that love. That's our mission. And Paul uses the phrase more than conquerors. You see, we've seen how conquerors live. And, and when Paul wrote this, Rome was the greatest empire in the world, and you could argue that it was the greatest empire ever. And you could argue that we should all still be speaking Latin. Amy would be happy. She can teach you for $100 an hour. (laughs) But they were conquerors. And we see in the world conquerors. And, And a conqueror sees things differently. They think power is above everything. And so by might... By power, that's how they defeat others. Well, we're more than conquerors, so we have more than power. We have Jesus, and his power is greater than any earthly thing. A conqueror's motive is victory at all costs. Stepping on people on the way up, making sure they stay down, winning, winning, winning. As more than conquerors... We overcome with a greater motive, with with showing people the peace of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus. And we overcome with greater victory, which is a promise of heaven and a life lived with the joy of knowing that, that he is with us. That he goes before us, that his love covers us, that his love lifts us up. A conqueror. Love's only what helps them to win. But we overcome with greater love, with all-encompassing love, with that love that God gives us that we then reflect to the world, the love that offers us salvation. If I could tell you that once you accept that love, once you accept his salvation, once you give yourself to him, then boom, life's easy. And traffic is never a problem. There's never construction. The Bengals always win. IU always beats Wisconsin. That happens anyway. But, I wish Luke were here, but Mary is. I wish I could tell you that if you accept it, then people would show you that same love back and that same respect back that people would treat you fairly. I can't. If I could, this place would be filled, not just today, but every single day. All churches would be. But here's the thing. We are meant for more than an easy life. We are equipped for more than an easy life. We are capable of more than just the way of the world. That's what his love offers us. That's what his love gives us. That's what that victory means. And nothing can separate us from that love, from that mission. I have one more quote, and this is from Mr. Rogers. I love to use him. There there have been people, not in this church, but just in my life, who will sometimes laugh when I use him in addition to to C.S. Lewis or something. But I tell you, I don't know that there's a greater example of showing his love to the world than the ministry of Fred Rogers. Because he saw a need, and he saw a problem, and he gave his life over to a calling of God to show love to children, to teach children, to help strengthen their faith. And that's what he was about. He wasn't perfect. But he shows us what God's love looks like in action. And this quote, Everyone longs to be loved. And the greatest thing we can do is to let people know that they are loved and capable of loving. Everyone, whether they admit it or not, longs for God's love. There are people who will not allow themselves to believe it There are people who turn away from it. There are people who don't, who act like they don't want it. But everybody feels that need to be lifted by his love, to be shown his love. So it's on us to do that. It's on us to show it. It's on us to tell it. It's on us to live it. And it's not just. To show people that they are loved, although that's important. But it's to show them that they are capable of loving. That they are capable of more. That we are capable of more. That's what God's love, his all-encompassing love, his overwhelming love does for us. That's the foundation of our faith. That's the foundation of who we are, of who we should be. That we go out there And even when we don't like somebody. Even when they seem to be just completely opposed to everything we are. We show them not only his love. But that they have that capacity to accept it. To show it. To live it. Together that's what we do. Because nothing. No one. Ever. Can stand against that love. We are victorious in him, through him, with him. That's our foundation. That's all I got.